The NSNO Everton Podcast. Your weekly fix of all the latest news, interviews and always forthright views. From Sai and Borley. Right, well if I had Borley here, I'd say, Borley, you know when she said weekly? Um, and he'd laugh really deep and heartily like, ho, 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 ho. Because uh, it hasn't been weekly this season, has it? But we will be weekly from... At some point in the future, we will be weekly honest. But what better way to start than an interview with Everton manager, Roberto Martinez, which was conducted last Friday, uh, unless you're listening to this in the future, in which case it wasn't conducted last Friday, it was conducted a Friday in the past, uh, May the 22nd, to be precise, at Finch Farm. And there was representatives from NSNO, which was me, um, from Follettonians, which was Ped and Baz, who apparently also represented Toffee TV. Uh, when Sky's Grey, Blue Kipper, Toffee Web, and SOS 1878, who had two people there, which was nice. They must have paid extra for the parking spaces. So without further ado, you've waited a long time to listen to this. So here is Bobby Martinez talking to us. Yeah, no pressure. First question. No, 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 start with a nice easy one for you. If, if you could pinpoint one thing which could explain the difference between this season and last, what would it be? Oof. Um, I think I think there is no one one thing. I think it's been a um, a combination of things. Because obviously, as a team, we, um, we took a while until we found a way of performing in the league. I think the big, the big difference this season has, has been the expectations that we had earlier in the season. We couldn't get those expectations into real momentum and enjoyment. I think the first three games, the first four games really, in the league, they, they set a little bit the, the tone, um, dropping two points against Leicester after going ahead in the 83rd minute. Honestly, you would not believe uh, after the game, we had a feeling of, of a defeat. And there were 37 games left. And I think it shows you that we were so excited about um, the team that we got together. You can imagine, once we finished the season, it was a real feeling of, can we keep the same team together? So the signings of Romero Lukaku, the Gareth Barry, people, that all the players were getting excited. The first result, psychologically, uh, hit us hard. Then we got the Arsenal performance that I felt for 60 minutes. We were uh, at the same level that we were in the previous year against Arsenal, and all of a sudden, we end up with a draw. And you, you lose four points, and it became... A little bit, oof, we can't get where we wanted to get. And psychologically, we didn't find enjoyment in the league. We found enjoyment in the, in the Europa League, and you saw a real contrast psychologically. I think coming back uh, from the World Cup affected us defensively, because we, were, we became a little bit loose. And there were many things that affected our first half of the season in the league. Once we... We turned the year after the first week of January. Our our intent in the league has been fantastic. It was it wasn't anymore. We want to get top four. It was we have to win, and it was the reality of having to win games. And I think we've been very very strong from that point onwards. I think at that time the players got rid of the hangover of the World Cup individually. Some some of the boys, especially Rom Romelu, was a completely different player physically when he came back from the World Cup than he was in January. And it's a shame that we haven't got another 10 games. That's that's a reality now. But it is, it's been uh, psychologically a big learning curve of being able to get rid of 
a disappointment in the league and move on rather than feeling that oof, because we dropped some points early on against Leicester and Arsenal we couldn't get what we wanted How big a blow was it losing Ross right on the eve of that? Huge huge because we were so excited with his pre-season his pre-season was uh, someone that he came back uh, desperate to come to Everton after the World Cup and he was on fire he was flying and you're thinking that's not normal for a player that he comes from from the World Cup and you feel it's going to take a bit of time and how is he going to react he's got a bigger role than he wants the injury really set him back and I don't think he's never had um, he's been catching up all season sometimes physically sometimes psychologically and uh, until the Manchester United game, I didn't feel that Ross was Ross this season. And everything started with a little injury. Now, if you ask him, he's the first one to tell you that he's learned so much this season, just in coping with the outside, coping with expectations, coping with what the people think of, of Ross. And I just I just think that we've got an incredible footballer for the future. Incredible. But it's been one of the tough, uh, tough periods that he had to go through. Um, uh, I do think when he went to play for England last time, he was a real, psychologically gave him a real boost. He came back, uh, like he, he just settled his business and he was like free. And I think we're going to get that with Ross. I, I don't think we're going to see a player that he co- uh, gets ups and downs anymore. I think we're going to see a, a consistent performer. And I do feel that there is a there is a maturity about him. And even now, obviously, he's not going to go with the under-21s. Uh, he's going to be involved with the senior squad for England. He's going to have a proper, proper break after that. Uh, I think we're going to get the uh, a completely refresh Ross next season. Going back to the start of the season, we seem to run out of steam quite easily at the end of the games. Would you agree that fitness was a major problem for us at the beginning of the season? And if you, if you would agree, yeah. what are you going to do differently in the summer to change that for the start of the season? I think there are two, uh, two parts of that question. One is I do feel that we went as fit as we could have been, but I don't think we could have done anything else. I think when you got the World Cup and you're assembling the squad back together, you got two decisions. One, getting players as quick as you can, and then you, you, you're supposed to be okay, but then when you get in January, February, March, there's a big dip in form. And if you want to follow all the top players that they've been in the World Cup, that they got rushed back into preseason, that's what happened. Or you're a little bit more individual <coughs> and allow them to have a bit of a break, and then you get a real a, a build-up season, and they finish the season really strong. And I think that's what we had. I don't think physically we were as good as we could because of the World Cup. But uh, I don't think it was a... Uh, I think the last 10 minutes of the games was more of that, again, desire of wanting to win. And all of a sudden, we had something to lose. And in a game that you think we should be getting the three points easily against Arsenal, all of a sudden you turn it up, 2-1, anything that it was going around our goal ended up in the back of the net. And it was a, a psychological aspect that I think we've improved massively in the last, in the last 12 games. But it's a, it's a combination of the of the two. This season, we got five weeks pre-season. Um, it's a very specific uh, period of, of work. Everyone will be together. Maybe we'll miss only John Stones, because if they get into the final with the championship on the 21s, then it's going to arrive a little bit. We've got a very good work, uh, a week work here. And we're going to Singapore. We've got the two games there. Then we're coming back. We've got a good period here. And then we're going to Scotland.
and then uh, we've got the 2nd of August we're going to have the game at Goodison and that's the last game before we start the season in, in the 8th of August so it's, it's a quite um, exciting condensed pre-season uh, in terms of the game programme we've got different surprises or different um, different games prepared but we can't really confirm anything until we know where we are in the fair play because the fair play league uh, we will be involved on the 2nd on the 9th if your progress is 16th 23rd if your progress 30th and then the 2 around the, the start of the season so Games, isn't it? The Europa League, yeah. get fair, but would you prefer not to have that? No, I, no, if I'm honest with you, I think it would be great as a football club to use that. And the first three games, obviously, because the second and the ninth and the 16th, the 16th were in Singapore, so it makes no sense for us to play the first team and then missing the third. So we will be on the 21s and, and players that they need games from the first team and have a bit of a mixture, but a team that is needs to be capable of, of competing in those games. but. I would love the opportunity of, of trying to use that route. I don't know why. I, I heard people saying, oh, it's embarrassing of getting... I don't see it that way at all. I think fair play represents a, an attitude, a behaviour that you need to have on the, on the pitch. And I agree completely that FIFA rewards a team with something. Uh, here is like starting with the early rounds to go into the Europa League. We would embrace that. And I don't know if we got a, a chance or not, but... If that's the case, we'll, we'll embrace it. How difficult is it juggling the Europa League with the Premier League and competitions? <sighs> that's the question of the season, really. I think the, the the straight answer that I'm looking back is that if you are used to coping with that every season, it becomes a mentality that you're ready for it. When it comes as a brand new, it shocks you. And you need to cope with we arrived from Russia early hours on Friday and we got an early kickoff at Old Trafford on Sunday. So physically, that's going to have an effect. Um, I just think that by being through that, that experience, we will be better now, better equipped to cope next season. Did it have an effect? 100%. It did have an effect. And all the teams that I've seen been involved in Europa League, that they don't play European football season after season, it's had an effect in their domestic campaign. You're looking at Lille. When we played Lille, they were struggling in the in the league. They couldn't get wins. They get out of, of Europe, and they finish what, the, the seventh, eighth now with a, a real strong uh, performances. It is difficult to cope. Thursday and Sunday is a really difficult uh, way of coping. Why is that different to Wednesday, Saturday? Well, the travelling is different in the Europa League and the Champions League. The Champions League, normally everything is two hours around uh, your fixture. And it's a lot harder when you play in Ukraine, Russia. Uh, difficult, harder journeys to organise. And the Sunday, normally because of the TV arrangements, there are early kickoffs because of the BT package. So then you play Thursday, but then you've got an early kickoff on Sunday after having a longer journey. So Tuesday, Wednesday, everything is around Europe very easy, very accessible and normally you're a team that you play in Champions League normally you're a TV and even they extend uh, you play on a Monday night or you play on a Sunday and I don't think the recovery period is, is as good for the Europa League teams than it is for the Champions League teams but the, the answer will be that the teams in the Champions League that they are season after season in Europe they got the mentality ready to cope with it and players like John Stones, Romelu, uh, Ross James McCarthy now they are more equipped to cope mentally with the fatigue or the demands of playing Europe and, and, and the Premier League.
Yeah, staying on the Europa League topic then, um, your assistant Graham Jones was on record earlier in the season saying that he felt that uh, the team and probably the management team hadn't really had any credit for some of the magnificent performances in Europe, um, probably given to the fans concentrating more on the patchy league form. Mm -hmm. um, given the significant improvement in our European performances compared to our last two benches, so how frustrating is that for you that some of the progress that we've made in terms of the, the style and the game management has been overlooked somewhat because of the league struggles? I'm the first one to understand that in football you have to win games and if you win games you get the credit, if you don't you need to accept it that you don't. I think internally and if you're a proper Evertonian you look at what we've done in Europe and it's to be very very proud. We had one bad day and we're out of the competition, like 10 games in Europe and performing the manner we did. Even the defeat against Krasnodar I thought it was a celebration of having the young players coming in and being able to play. So you look at beating Wolfsburg, home and away, the performances against Lille uh, at home. Uh, the whole European campaign was phenomenal. The Kiev game in Dynamo is the only bad performance that we had. Uh, we couldn't cope with the atmosphere, we couldn't cope with the knockout phase that we had something to lose. And there are things that uh, we, need to, we need to improve and learn from that. But other teams had the same situation. Um, teams that I thought they would go all the way, Napoli, Wolfsburg, uh, Inter Milan, they had one bad night and they're out. Others, they've been given a bit of an opportunity. Sevilla had a couple of bad results or bad games, but they were able to, to turn it around. And that's what happens in, in cup competitions. But it is true that I don't think we were the last British team in Europe, the last British team in the Europa League. I do think that is something in the British game that makes things very, very difficult in comparison with other leagues to be good or competitive in Europe. Don't uh, understand the physicality and competitiveness of the Premier League. The Premier League, if you are 95% in one game, you lose. In Spain, I can tell you now, at 60%, you can still win. <laughs> and and sometimes that, that helps. You can make three, four changes, refresh it. You don't have to, you can manage the game after 50, 50 60 minutes. It's different. In the Premier League, you need to be at it every game. Now, the other thing is Christmas. Every league, more or less, they stop. They go one week where they can switch off. Just the mental fatigue. And uh, The British game is when we play uh, at the most. Uh, it is the busiest period. I do think that there is something that needs to be done if you want to help British football to, to get the reputation that we deserve. Because I'm listening, I'm listening a lot of other leagues talking, oh, what, what about the Premier League, the best league in the world, and they can't progress any further than semi-finals. Or, and there is that debate in, in European football. And I do think that we need to help the British teams to to be fresher and a little bit more competitive in, in Europe. Do you think in the early part of the season the team failed to cope with opposition's tactics against Wolves, especially the high lines, pressing up against the centre-back, pushing up on Gadafari, trying to yeah. catch them early in possession? Again, I, th I think we are a team that we are very flexible. I know that from the outside, people will tell you that we we predictable and, and and we're easy to play against. I think it's the it's the opposite. If we if we are uh, something is that we are quite flexible and we can do things in a different way. Um, I quite enjoy when teams want to press us high up and they want to stop Gareth Parry because that opens spaces and and you stretch in teams. It is true that this season we had a big tactical problem 
which has been no having replacement for Leon Osman and Steven Pino. Any team has got a, a certain type of player where you can replace him. Steven Pino is not there. Leon Osman can do a similar job. Now, missing those two players, for us, teams that they would stop us in the wide areas and stopping the fullbacks and, and open the spaces in between lines, we couldn't take advantage because we were missing that player. So I would answer that, yes, we couldn't cope with that because we had some players missing. We missed Steven Pina for 20 games in the league and Lyon for a long spell. So it's not that we couldn't take advantage of the tactics of the position, it's that at that time we were missing a profile of player that it was very important for that. Is that one of the main frustrations? Because it starts to see, especially, I mean, the left-hand side seems to be a major problem. Yeah. Stephen Naismith going on time, Ross Barker going on time, and no one can seem to do that job until the announcement's gone on later on this season and done really, really well. Yes, yeah, and remember that when you th- when you got something that is special and it works, sometimes you take it for granted, and the combination of Leighton Baines and Stephen Pina is something that we took for granted how good they are and how off the cuff and the understanding and the chemistry no long ago Stevie P comes on against Swansea and you realise what we've been missing now there's nobody else that he can get that relationship Leon Osman because he's such an experienced footballer that he'll, he'll try to get it and, and try to do it and it's been a big difference but probably that's what we need recruitment wise going forward is to have someone else that he can give you that and, and that's a number 10 that playmaker yeah, well, it's a different, you know, Nolito, I like, I like Nolito, obviously. You, you normally like players that he's got a hat-trick against you, but he's a bit more, he's higher up the pitch, his final third is a bit someone that he brings that final final ball or finds a, a, a chance to score. I think we're missing more, someone that can get deeper, as deep as Gareth Parry and James McCarthy, but getting to the box as well, have a real um, effect in the final pass and, and scoring goals, but a good playmaker. And that's a role that we need to find. And we've got a very, very exciting young player that he will be there in the system. But we need to give him a couple of years. I was going to say, there's a kid that on the Welsh lad who doesn't look like Well, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. all right on the left. I heard, I heard he's had some problems. <laughs> Joe Robles coming to the team around Christmas time as a result of Paul's injury. I think he kept three consecutive clean sheets against Palace, West Brom and Liverpool. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, it was very, very. Uh, that was probably the hardest decision in 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 the campaign because you see, in, um, I know Joel Robles for a long time now, and I have, I didn't see Joel showing what he could do playing for Everton until those three games. So then you see him that he's he's getting used to it, and I think playing in goals for Everton is is not an easy task, and I think you need to. Um, fulfill that role before you can really perform and I think Joel last season was a, a really uh, a really demanding period but the reality is that in goal you cannot have that situation where they're thinking if I made the mistake someone else will take my place and the number one is to have the confidence because uh, the goalkeeper is the last man and you're going to get moments that things are not bouncing your way and you could be unfortunate so you want positive people so Tim Howard is our number one and Joel is on my number two until that changes and at that moment what I was very very pleased is that Joel showed to all all the fans what he can do and I think after those first three clean sheets we saw 
the Joel that I feel he can be. So I thought he, he earned credit. I think he made his position a lot stronger. So I don't think um, he lost the confidence. It's the opposite. They give him a bigger appetite to, to push team till the end. But I think you cannot underestimate what we got in Tim Howard. I know that people can get tired of seeing the same face. That happens at Real Madrid. Now, all of a sudden, Ica Casillas has been a bad player, you know, after winning everything. And Tim Howard, you cannot underestimate what he brings to the side and, and the level that he's, he's performed this season. In the second half of the season, has been very, very impressive. Of course, that there are certain players that, for whatever reason, when they make a mistake, it gets highlighted, and others, it gets pushed aside. But... Um, I'm very, very happy to have Tim Howard and Joel go into the next season because I feel that both now are capable of being themselves in goal and I think Joel, the first season, found it difficult and he had to adapt. I know you said in January that he was still looking to strengthen the goalkeeper position. Is that still the case? Or no. That was just before the three clean sheets. I think <laughs> Joel read the statement and he said, I better, I better do something about it. But the West Ham game was outstanding as well? He was. Yeah. I thought his best performance was Crystal Palace away just for the pure fact that the way they play, they test you as a goalkeeper, put balls in the box. And the, the, the Liverpool performance, I enjoyed because it didn't look like he was playing in a derby. He was more playing in a game. And that, for a, he's only 23, as a goalkeeper, you need to have that, that presence. Uh, the three clean sheets were, were very, very uh, different. Uh, one away from home, one against West Brom, but they had nothing to do. Only that direction that, that you need to be perfect against in the derby because controlling the event I thought it was a great period to show what Joel can do yeah. I, I just want to go back to uh, you more or less said that you're looking for a player I'd be quite happy if you pay 28 million on this play maybe. right because we haven't got 28 million now you'll have to give me another two, two years to make a bit of a <laughs> Unless Robert has got it there. I'll get some statements. I'm buttered now. You know, basically, you started with the same team yeah. last season. You know, Lukaku and Barry. Barry was on the three, Lukaku was the 20. Yes. So you know, it wasn't a great deal being paid out. Yeah. And, and I just. No, no, I take your point. I take your point. If, you, if you're going to go for a player. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. No, I, I think. No, you, remember, I I will tell you now. I, I think we got um, we got the core. What excites me about next season is not the players that they can come in. The players that can come in are the ones that they need to give it that extra bit and and make us better. The excitement is with what we got. Players like John Stones, Ross Barkley, Romero Lukaku, Seamus Coleman, James McCarthy. Now you're looking at the experienced ones with Leon Osman, Phil Jagielka, Leighton Baines. There's a really strong group of players that is there. Finances, we don't have to look at the finances in order to be a good side. We need to be very precise in what we want to bring in and, um, and attract the right player that, that we need and the right personality. Um, We'll bring the players that we need with 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 uh, with the mentality that we need at our football club. It's not about finances. It's not about money. If we need to bring a player uh, that has got a specific price tag to work, it wouldn't it wouldn't fit in. It's very very specific. I'm um, I'm delighted with with the young players that we have uh, at the club, and 
is making sure that we need to bring a centre-half, we need to bring uh, a player, a playmaker, number 10, we need to bring a wide player, uh, maybe uh, another player that <coughs> could uh, increase the numbers in the squad, but with with the level to, to perform. So, Can you just go back on that then? You know, and again, I'm not, uh, I'm not being naive enough to think I'm going to tell you what to do, but mm-hmm. um, just in my, in my thoughts, this time, Alcaraz, maybe Garbus, maybe go. Uh, I'm a bit concerned that you just said you could bring four players in. Yeah. If those three go, will there be another three coming? No, no. I don't think we need the numbers that we had last season. I don't think being, uh, being out of Europe, we can reduce the squad in two numbers and we've been working now for two years with a group of players from the age of 18 to 22 that I feel next season they're going to be ready and I want to give these players an opportunity I'm not saying that we're relying on these players to win games but I would rather have as a uh, fifth centre half uh, a young man like Tyus Browning that I know is ready to, to perform and come in rather than bringing just another, another, another name but in terms of numbers we're going to be fine with an extra four players. Um, it's more making sure that we don't lose any of the the, the performance that we had uh, this season. I, I was just funny enough. I was going to ask you how a club like Everton can compete on moderate finances compared to like the rich budget. I think you just answered. Yeah, well, no, no, but it's, it's, a, it's an interesting point. I think uh, what what does it cost if you come from fresh? and you want to compete for the good things in the league or to win the league, what, what would it cost? 400, 500 million? Uh, is we need to be very much a different type of approach. We need to give, we need to be brave as a football club and give young players opportunities. We need to develop our youngsters in a special way and then play in a way that we can compete against anyone. And I think now we've got a strong, a very strong squad that we don't rely on seeing how much money we got to spend. I don't think we're in that state at all. Um, uh, we're not in a position that we have to sell assets in order to balance the book. That's the, the books, that's not the case. It's just making sure that the players that they are in the squad want to play for Everton, because in the modern game now you get this, uh, I don't know, if it's a fashion or a modern trend of uh, getting new projects and impressing different people and moving around. We need to have players that they want to play for Everton, that they understand what it means to play for Everton and and as a club give them a proper guidance over two, three years where the young players can have big roles and, and for me we got the best young players in in the league. Uh, I don't I don't see another another team that has got three players with, at, at, at on the twenty one, on the twenty two level that they've got important roles in the side like we have with the potential that, that we have. Challenge then is to keep them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but again, we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna fight something that if the player doesn't want to play for your team, you don't want them. Uh, I think as a football club, we are uh, creating a very good pool of young players that will give opportunities. And the same way, uh, it becomes a lot. I felt that it's very easy to attract players to play for Everton. Any time that you speak about our football club and the way that we are. When you speak with foreign players, they know us and they will be delighted to join us. So I don't see that as a, as a problem. I'm just I'm very, very excited with the, with the group of players that we have. I think, obviously, Phil Jagielka has won the Player of the Year award and I think it was a, a well-deserved uh, award and is an incredible captain 
for the next four or five years, however long it can, it can last, we, we're in very, very safe hands and we got the perfect um, experience that they can guide the youngsters and that's the balance that you need to have in a dressing room. You can't go all too young. I think we got the backbone of experienced players they can guide that, that youth. Just with recruitment, no centre forward in your, uh, your list no. of what we need. So do you think that, are you expecting more from Aruna Coney this yes. year? Or do you, see, do you see Chris Long being able to step up? Well, why not? I think Chris has done well uh, while he's been out on loan, but obviously he's only played a couple of full games, so I think it's too early. Um, Chris will have a very specific programme as well before he can... He can uh, he's going to do the pre-season with the first team and then we'll take it from there. And the truth is, uh, I feel that Aruna Kone deserves the opportunity to show what he can do. He hasn't shown what he, what he can do. He had such a horrendous injury. I've seen many players uh, retiring out of that. Luis Enrique, uh, the manager at Barcelona, took nearly over two years to get over that same injury, and he was a smaller piece that he came off his cartilage. Aruna Kone showed a couple of good moments, a good flashes, and you've never seen him being able to have the next step and that's match fitness so I'm sure that after a good pre-season we'll all see what Aruna Kone can do if we can have Aruna Kone fully fit Rom fully fit and desperate to, to, to progress we still got a couple of players in the squad that can play that number 9 role but I wouldn't bring anyone else for the sake of it in that position did you see any way that because it worked quite well this year when we used it against Newcastle and yes. QPR with the two of them playing yeah. because I think with Romelu sometimes he's much better with someone else and he's more well, dangerous you can imagine that you get every team now <coughs> double marks Romelu yeah. so he's, he's, he's a way to open space to someone else you need to be careful remember that playing with two strikers it, it works in very specific games uh, in others you can leave yourself a little bit exposed and a little bit open but we got we got the opportunity to use it when we when we feel we need it, and I agree with you. After the Newcastle game was uh, was so um, um, so uh, enjoyable to watch them, those two linking up together, and it was so simple. Even at times, allowing good runners going past them, like James McCarthy's first goal comes from from that simple approaching to Rom and opening it up, and that that can be used now. That's got an effect when the opposition don't, don't expect that to happen. It's the opposite when uh, when the opposition prepares it and he knows that you're going to play with the two strikers. So I think that unknown factor is important as well when you're preparing games. From your first season to this season, the match day relationship with the fans at Goodison Park has changed quite dramatically. And uh, going back to Dynamo Kiev away, which you said was one bad night. Mm -hmm. The first 30 minutes at home in the Kiev game looked like it was developing into another bad night. Um, the crowd was angry um, and made their feelings known. And after 30 minutes, we changed our approach. The who decided that we were changing on that moment? Was it the players? Was it you? Was it Graham Jones, Duncan Ferguson? No, I've, I've, that's, uh, I think it's just the, the state of the game. Uh, I remember it was a very positive pass that Nazi made and all of a sudden he gets a, a dynamic approach, we get a corner and then we got another corner and then we got another corner and all of a sudden the fans get uh, we gave the fans something to cheer on, I think it was a very dull start of the game, it was very pedestrian we didn't have any tempo and that happens but 
Um, as a manager of the football club, I, I need to take responsibility. When the results are not going well, I'm the one to, to be uh, 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 point out the same way that when the things are going really well, I'm the first one to be highlighted. So I accept that. And everything, uh, the big advantage that I have is that I can be neutral with uh, everything I do with my players is to win football games for Everton and the fans want to see the team winning football games so we are in the same page and I accept the consequences that's that's the nature of, of my job and I, I would I would uh, I can understand that the fans can be uh, disappointed or frustrated as long as we allow the players to perform for 90 minutes and then we can affect because I do feel that I was disappointed against Queensborough Rangers at home we were 3-0 up and it seemed that it wasn't enough or because the style wasn't there and I think we need to be a little bit uh, realistic as well, you know. If if we are here to win games and then when we're winning we want something else, uh, I think the players deserve a little bit of a, uh, of understanding of how difficult it is to win football games top and bottom. There was graffiti scored by Wilson Park earlier this season about you and your role. There's utterances that perhaps you've done as much as you can at Wilson Park with Everton. What would you say to the fans who say that? Well, I felt good at that moment because I felt it was a Howard Kendall moment. Howard Kendall and <laughs> Philip Carter, so I said it can only go one way from now. So I'm hoping we'll win the league next season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do the engine players get along, um, particularly Gibson, Baines and Oviedo? Yes, well, um, the three you mentioned are the ones that they had um, um, uh, surgery. Um, Leighton Baines is still in a protective boot. Um, it's going to start pre-season and it's going to work throughout the summer. Uh, hopefully the second week in pre-season is when he's going to join the group. Darren Gibson should be able to join the group straight away. Uh, Brian Oviedo exactly sent down later mates, second, third week of pre-season. Uh, Tony Hibbert has joined the group today and he's been very positive. He's reacted really well and I'm excited about him being able to have a good break and, and start pre-season. And um, Antolin Alcaraz has been... Has been uh, recovering well but it won't be available for, for the weekend so Stevie P is the only one that I feel um, we need to give him a lot of attention over the summer he's been disappointing every time that he's, he's shown a little bit of progress and the game he played against Manchester United with the, with the under 21s then broke down again plays the game against Swansea and then he breaks down in training again uh, we need to keep Stevie P fit and, and, and that's my only Focus this preseason to get Stevie right for preseason, but everyone else in the second week of preseason will be will be fine. That was what I was going to ask about. How difficult is it mentally to keep players like you know from mentally switching off? Um, Gibson's been out for a long time. You know, keep someone back and being yeah. out again. And Oviedo's had a few different injuries. How difficult yeah. is it to keep them? Well, the the hardest thing is uh, as a player coping with injuries is devastating. I think as a player you can cope with being dropped, coping with not playing well, coping with any aspect that you can do something about it. Injuries is is really frustrating and really very tough. And I think Brian Oviedo has been has been an example to all of us because he's upbeat. It takes two minutes to get through over the disappointment, and he wants he wants to know what he's doing next. It's incredible, but it's not much that you can do really. Is is trying to support them and help them, but deep down, when you cannot play football, you cannot work or train. It becomes a real, real tough. Uh, mental battle and I think Stevie P came out publicly explaining a little bit how difficult it was for him and, and it's true unless you find that comfort and the teammates have been terrific in that respect and that's a good thing we got 
at Everton. Uh, you're looking at Tim Howard, Phil Jagielka, Leon Osman, Leighton Baines, Tony Hibbert. That group is special. I think if they don't bring a, a smile in your face, it's, it's, even when you're injured or when you're struggling, there's something wrong with you. But it is tough to go with, with injury, especially when you get a setback and you get back and then you get another injury like Brian Oviedo's got, he had this season. But um, as I said, the team spirit is probably the, the best therapy for them. Uh, just modified my question slightly based on some of what's been said already. Um, I'd like to ask you about the, the pressure and kind of some of the human element of the job. Personally, I've been really surprised by how quickly some people have drawn the daggers just mm. a few months after a record point finish and some of the best performances we've seen in decades. Um, you know, the first sign of trouble, as you said, the booing against QPR when we're 3 0 ahead. People seem very panicky my opinion, you know, without just goals. Given the importance that you have put on the likes of Leon Osman, Stephen Pienaar, Tim Howard even, Gareth Barry, all of these guys raging players, and you've just commented that you wouldn't have £28 million to spend mm. despite the record TV deal, given the short-term demands for results from the fans, how are you going to ward off that pressure if you can't replace those key experienced players? Well, yeah, well... But... Listen, I want that pressure. I, I don't. Uh, I wouldn't enjoy saying, "Well, we're at Everton and we're happy to finish top 10. Well, I wouldn't be the manager of Everton. I, I want to. I'm here to to try to win titles, to try to achieve footballing dreams. Uh, I believe on on that. I don't think you need the finances that uh, others have in order to to achieve. But it is true that then, as the fans need to understand what I'm trying to do and, and we need to have a bit of time in order to, to be able to compete with other, with the other uh, teams. But the pressure needs to be there. Unless you've got the pressure and the expectations, you'll never achieve. That's, that's the reality of it. And um, I've been in, involved now six years in the Premier League and the Premier League has to be that intense unless you're 100% and, um, and full on, 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 on the intensity that you need to bring you're not going to win football games. I'm looking at, obviously, it's been a demanding season, but the last 10 games, last last campaign, which is the record points tally in the Premier League era, we got 21 points out of 30 in the last 30. Now we are in 19 out of 27. So we could actually finish with a better return this season than last season in the last 30 points. So that shows you that once we've been under <coughs> massive pressure and facing adversity and the difficulty of not having that confidence in our play as a team we've got an incredible uh, character that that makes me feel very excited about the future and I'll take responsibility of the of the results that's the way it should work and the players should take responsibility of keeping themselves fit and performing well and, and being a team that everyone can be uh, really really excited about can I just ask, you know, have you been surprised or at all kind of hurt by the level of some of the criticism so soon after we've had such a fantastic... I, I understand it. I understand it. I, I understand that the results, when they're not there, um, is, is going to turn that way. Uh, deep down, you get a little bit disappointed because you feel, well, I think we are a special football club that we're going to be sticking together and we're going to get through the adversity together and that's going to help us to grow and achieve something special and then you don't want to, it's like in a family, you don't want to see people diverting and, and getting doubts because it's going to cost cost the team results but I accept it because I, I understand how the game works and 
it's my job then to to bring the belief back to the fans and and give them enough signs to see that the team will perform and we are clear on what we want to do and it'll be successful. But it is a shame. It's like you you want to be together and you want to get that support and understanding when the things are not going well. You don't need too much understanding or support when the things are going fantastically well. But that's what you get in in football. It's been lots of frustration with the fans this season, but we've got the situation. Obviously, we don't know how it's going to end. And some fans as well have regarding Kevin Morales. Do you think moving forward, the club has got to maybe look at these players with a couple of years left on the contract and, and say it's either sign or go and manage that situation a little bit better? Because obviously, the losing an, an under twenty-one players could yeah. effectively go for nothing, um, and then you, lose, you could lose someone like Kevin Morales for a fee less than he's, he's actually worth. No, no, Kevin is. Uh He's got a two years contract. Obviously, we got an option on the club, so Kevin is not a, uh, a problem. Uh, we all know Kevin Mirad is an outstanding footballer, and, and we would love to keep him for for, a, for as long as we can, but he needs to be the one to make that decision. Uh, as I said before, we need players that they want to play for Everton and, and they're desperate to, to, to do anything they can to win football games for Everton. The situation we look at but is, is something that as a young player, we need to keep as many young players as we can and give them the, the development to, to allow them to become footballers. Now, when you do that, you're working in a pool of 16, 17, 18 players. You cannot keep these players on four, five, six years contract because it's impossible. It needs to be shorter contracts and everything is performance related. And you need to develop a relationship where the player sees, OK, I'm in the right place, I'm developing, let me enjoy my football. Uh, Luke Garbett is in a situation where, for me, he's been a real successful story because in the last two years we set a programme from him going out on loan to Colchester, coming back, working with the first team, then start giving him some games in the Cup, and then working again, and then giving him uh, his Premier League debut, working in Europe, and he's played now 10 games for the first team with a real... Uh, successful return we would love to have Luke Garbett uh, for the longer period and we offered uh, a good contract now the player has got the right to decide if staying at Everton is going to be his his wish uh, maybe he's looking around he's, he's, we got the, the full England international as a left back and another international as, as Brian Oviedo and maybe he feels that that's going to uh, stop his, his playing time obviously as I made very clear I've, I've got real uh, belief that Luke is still young and will make sure that he doesn't miss the playing time in one way or another but that's the modern game is for the young players to make the right decisions and I think we've shown that we've got a real good conveyor belt of talent and we've got youngsters already underneath trying to, to take that place if, if Luke doesn't want to take it so as a football club, we've done everything we, we should have done. I think we, we acted with class in the way that uh, we allowed the player to make a decision, but we always wanted to keep Luke Garbett, and, and I think we showed in the last two years that we cared about his development and, and his fulfilled his potential extremely well. You mentioned earlier, obviously, the issue you've had on the left. Did, did it ever come into your thinking that maybe you could put Luke Garbett in front of Lincoln Baines? Uh, not really, no. I think, um, uh, I think both can play in the same team. Like we did at Newcastle, I do think that the experience of Leighton can allow him to play in different situations. I think Luke Garbett can play in forward positions as well as he did when he was at Colchester. Um, it is not necessarily one or the other. I do think that 
uh, it's important that you get the right balance and it's not just those two is the players around them but um, I, I don't I don't see the, the balance of the squad being wrong by having Luca Abbott and Leighton Baines I don't I don't see it that way a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. A little bit, a little bit is a bit of that. I think a player that um, I didn't feel um, look seems that he needs a bit of time to think and make his decision. I don't think that that's right for us then to to put him in a position that he has to perform to win in the next two games. And it's a good opportunity for a young man like Brendan Galloway that he's had a terrific 10 months with the under-21s and we brought with um, with a high steam uh, and signing for MK Dons always was the plan of, of giving him an opportunity in the first team. Probably he's, he's progressed a little bit quicker than I expected. Uh, Brendan is an exciting, exciting player just because of his character. Forget about the football ability; he's someone that nothing faces him. He's got a, a, an incredible domina about himself. I wanted to protect him a little bit at the weekend. I didn't tell him that he was going to play. If I could have just left it until two minutes to three, I would have done that. But even then, I don't think that would have faced him. Uh, I just think that Brendan is is an athlete, a very good defender that he he can get forward. Is a different type than Luke Abbott as well, and I think Brendan's abilities suited more the game against West Ham rather than Luke Abbott. That's the truth from a football point of view. Uh, I do think Brendan will play the next 30, 40 games as a left back, but probably after that, he's someone that he can easily play as a left sided centre half. And he's a young player that he needs opportunities, and I felt that it was the perfect moment to do that uh, at this stage of, of the season and, and how well he's done. Yes, I was very aware. The I think uh, I will always remember an image. I don't know what game it was. One of the the later games that Gerard played for Everton, that he he, he got the ball in front of Gladys uh, Gladys Street, and the whole stand just stood up and just thinking something's going to happen here and I think that's the type of player that he is when he gets on the ball you're thinking he could do something special and I think if he fitted really well you know, a, you know a football club so it's always someone that you got found memories and, and you appreciate his talent I think his position with Barcelona I don't know what it is now but it's, as you know they got a ban they cannot sign any players and I don't know if that's something that they're going to entertain I'm sure that in the summer we'll We'll find out a bit more because, as you say, he went to Sevilla and uh, second half of the season has been very disappointing. But uh, Gerard was a—I felt that he was a special uh, character and a special fit. And the talent that he had is what you want to pay money and <coughs> in your in your ticket because he brings that that uh, magic and, and goal-scoring threat. So he's an interesting player for us at all times. But obviously, I don't think he's realistic at the moment.
Hmm. And I was thinking about go back to, to the Swansea game, Captain Cook, it was a disaster tonight. And I think um, next season, would you be thinking of uh, putting the full side out? Well, yeah. In, in the Captain Cook, because it, it seems yeah. to be the, the easier trophy to win because most of the so called big sides leave out. And, and, and I understand, you know, it, it's given the likes of Luke Garbutt again and mm-hmm. like that again. Yeah. But I think it'd be better. No, no, I think it's a, it's a very good um, point. But what I would say to that is that any team that I put out on the pitch is I expected to win. And the truth is that that Swansea game was a, a real poor performance and a disappointing performance. But not the excuse wasn't that we didn't have the players that they played in the league. Uh, I didn't expect to lose that game. As you, as you say, that there are certain players that they need to be given an opportunity in order to see how they can progress but um, when you've got a squad like we have I would expect anyone that he plays in whatever game we go into that they are ready to win the football game next season it will be different I think when we play the Carling Cup it was a tough period where we had to expand a little bit the numbers in the squad what I'm trying to say with that is that the, if you qualify in the next round you're going to get a period with 7 games in 21 days so you know that you're going to need 18, 19 players that everyone can play. Now, if we cannot beat the team in the first round, we're just going to get bigger problems later on. My disappointment was that certain players that they uh, didn't perform. I don't think it was the the lineup. Uh, that was an easy excuse. Remember, we had Tim Howard in goal. We had Samuelito and, and Romero Lukaku playing and uh, 45 minutes each. That was the arrangement. But everyone else, it was, they were full internationals, and apart from Luke Garbett, everyone else, I would expect it to win that game. But it is uh, it's going to be easier next season because you only got three tournaments, and then the amount of changes you need to do in between competitions, it has to be smaller. No, 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 no. I always was very, very aware that uh, Samuel would bring something straight away he wasn't a player that he had to adapt he had he was a player that he was ready to perform he's played 20 games he scored four goals two of those very important against Burnley that he gave us three points the performance in Europe at Krasnodar he gave us the 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 goal the Samoleto uh, signing was always in mind of giving us a, a straight impact on how to perform in Europe especially away from home having that experience having that know-how bringing that worry into the opposition which a figure of Samo uh, could have and give time to Aruna Kone to get fully fit now we got into a position in December that Samo felt that he was ready to play every game and he felt that he wanted to play every game and then it was uh, the best decision for everyone just to uh, allow him to go and, and find a, uh, a solution when we were ready to go without another number 9 but I thought they the, the the role that that Samuel had with us was very 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 successful. All the young players learn immensely. We all learn from him. He had some. Remember, at one point, he was the best striker in world football. So even the way uh, when we scored at Anfield, when Phil Jagielka scored, is the one that is it doesn't allow the opposition to take the uh, the the. the Obviously, they don't allow them to, to start the play quick enough. Uh, he had so much of, of experience that they benefited. But 
the second half of the season, I knew it was going to be a completely different situation. I don't think uh, Samo uh, needed uh, a different a different proposition. Looking forward a little bit, if you can, uh, to the end of the like, to 17 18 season, which would be like five years. Right. Being, being here. What would that's, that's, well, that's, 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 that's supportive. Like? Uh, fun, uh, tell me. What would success look like? Looking back, well, uh, oh, it, uh, what a question! You look like a fantastic question. You end up with a, a difficult <laughs> question. <laughs> um, um, no, I, I think we need to go step by step. What I'm very excited is uh, how well the squad that we put in together can perform next season. Um, you're looking at the young players that we have, and and the way that we've been playing through the difficulties of this season, I'm really getting excited about next campaign. And I think we need to analyze it in that in that way. Um, I could easily say that we need to get into big games because um, those knockout stages, I was so excited about the Europa League this season. I felt we were one of the strongest teams in the competition. And then all of a sudden, we had a little bit of a slip. Um, and, and we were out of the of the tournament. So sometimes in cup competitions you rely on the look of the day, the look of the draw. But overall, all we want to be is a, a consistent team that you can compete against anyone. I think the performance against Manchester United this season showed everyone that we got the mentality to cope with uh, whatever opposition we faced, and and that would be success for me if we can compete consistently with those with those standards. I think from a fan's point of view, we're a bit more sort of. Um, what the glory of it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, no, we're working towards glory, but it would be wrong for me to say <laughs> just winning a title because then I'll have to retire the day after. <laughs> but what we want to do is just to build uh, a special a special team that everyone can be extremely proud and see where that takes us. But well, it's not going to be easy, and we need to be supportive of each other, that's, that's for sure. I watched the documentary the other night, the class of 92, Manchester United. Yes, yeah, yeah. And given the way that finance more or less dominates the top flight certainly in this country, if not most countries, is that the is that kind of the ideal, the model? I know it's highly unlikely you're going to get six or seven players like United got, you know, years ago, given the nature of football, but is that gotta be the, the kind of ethos behind the football club to try and bring three or four of our young players through to perform the same? You've kinda of got it with John Stone, yes. John Barkley and Gabby, but yeah. homegrown. Stuff. Yeah, I think I think what that gives you is the proof that it can be done. That you can you can build a successful team. I'm not saying just in the country, a successful team in Europe, doing it that way. But it, it, the same way is interesting that the early steps were tough, and it would have been very easy for Sir Alex Ferguson at that time just to go, "Boof, I had enough. I'm, I'm bringing players in." And and that's what you do when when you're trying to create something to become outstanding in what you do, you need to go through difficult routes. And that's been strong and supportive. I do feel that the quality that we got with the young players now, com compared to the class of, 90, uh, of 92, I don't know who I, I would choose individually. You look at John Stones, Ross Barkley, Romero Lukaku, at a young age, James McCarthy, Seamus Coleman, that I always consider as a young player because he started a lot, a lot later. is exciting talent there, really exciting. Now, is, yeah, I think it will depend on us as a football club how much are we going to support these players or are we going to demand Ross Barkley to win the league next season? But sometimes we can be a little bit uh, like that.
and I think that proves that it can be done. Do you feel as though you've taken over, or given your vision, your long-term vision, do you feel as though you've taken over at a, not a difficult time, because obviously you come into the club and Evan have been fifth, sixth, mm -hmm. so they're always in that top six or seven, where there's obviously when David Moyes took over, we were kind of bottom half and, you know, 14, 15, would it have been easier at that time to get across your kind of ethos, given the time scale of it, mm -hmm. because obviously touch before on fans turn and I'm not sure fans turn, I think fans were very worried yes. after, particularly after Stoke I'm not quite sure it was as bad as people are taking on but mm. doing that when your team's 13, 14 then bringing this new style of play as opposed to Evertonians used to being near the top it's more difficult when you're going through those bumpy periods trying to, trying to get across what you're trying to do Yeah, of course, I think um, uh, because it's something that you cannot choose I don't tend to think about about that. I think uh, the way I look at it is that I was very fortunate to take to of a solid structure yeah, that yeah. I could straight away yeah. influence. Yeah. And I think for us to get 72 points in the first season, I think it shows it shows that. But in the same way, we had the most important players in in the goal scoring thread, which at that time was uh, Marwan Fellaini, uh, Niki Celavic, players that to change that so quickly like we did. I was so uh, pleased that we brought the goal scoring thread was completely different, a lot younger, and of course you need tweaks along the way. But um, I, ju I just feel that we wanted European football, and we had it, and that's cost us in another way. But I think we've progressed. We made progress even further. But um, I don't think you can pick and choose when you're taking. A team or when you're I taking a football club, of, patience, of course, uh, of course, a lot easier uh, when you're taking it in a in, in, in a desperation in a desperation way. But I do think that people maybe the fans never um, really thought that we we really needed to to make big changes. Uh, as I said, to, to lose the main goal scorer and, and the biggest threat in front of goal and, and have it to turn around in a week, uh, that was a big. A big challenge, but because it works, it seems that everything was in place and, and it was done. I think the changes were were big, and, and now we need to carry on progressing. Your first season here, we had Robert Lukaku, Gareth Barry, Joe Delfeo on loan, who yeah. were all incredibly successful. This season, we had Christian Atsu, who's not really been the big successful hope no. be. Is that because clubs were more wary of loaning to us in the summer <laughs> than last summer? No, no, I wouldn't say that. I think Christian, Christian has been a, a really, um, a real shame because the boy is a is a ten in terms of the the way he trains, the way he conducts himself, the way he works. I do think that he's been uh, uh, he needed a bit of a transitional period coming from a league like the Dutch league and the physicality and, and getting used to it. Then he had to go with the with the African Nations uh, squad and obviously he was player of the tournament. And every time that he showed a little bit of flashes, he hasn't been able to, to follow it through. Against Leicester, I felt he had the best impact when he came on, and then he picked up a bit of an illness and was out for two weeks. Uh, the games that he played in Europe against Krasnodar, picks up an injury after five minutes. Away from home, it was a disappointing game against Dinamo de Kiev. It was a disappointing game. I think it's been very unfortunate. And sometimes, as a lone player, you need to have that bit of luck 
in a specific moment that allows you to to kick on and um, I think he's a top player and I think in a few years down the line we'll, we'll see that uh, with with his performances but no I would I would say that he's not very very um, it's very rare to be able to get players like Teolofeo, Lukaku and Barry on loan and you always keep looking for those but um, I, I think the loan market is a, is a very very interesting market for us because he always gives you that opportunity I think Aaron Lennon has been as good as as those three that you mentioned, even for a shorter period. Um, looking back, Lassina Traore was a real disaster. He comes, he, when you think that he scored the goal in his first two, he said that's going to be the best signing ever. Then he gets injured in the warm-up against Chelsea and we never saw him again. So it's, it's very difficult in, in long players to... Uh, you bring talent and you, you know that they're going to fit in well and then you rely, you're a little bit on the lap of God of how, how everything is going to develop. Lassina Traore, um, there's a guy who uses my website who basically every day took a picture of him at uh, Lime Street train station, so if you were looking for him, that's where he was. Um, no, we, but we had him, we had him, uh, we knew where he, where he was, he's just, he just couldn't train. Mm -hmm. Aaron Lennon, like you say, he's been, he's been a great success since yeah. he seems yeah. to have come back to life from almost winding down a career at Spurs to coming to Everton, bring, coming back to life, showing signs of being the player he was three, four years ago. Yeah. Are we going to get him back next season? Well, uh, as I say, I think um, it's something that we need to see how it pans out. When when you do a loan deal, what you want is to be that to have that success. The success I consider when the player comes in and you're looking at uh, playing and you're thinking, it seems that he's been here for years. And I got that impression with, with Aaron Lennon. He, the fight that he had, the enjoyment that he had. Uh, believe me, to play at Goodison is not easy. And he just fit in so well and he felt that he belonged there and obviously you're looking at it and he's, he's had so many uh, caps for England uh, at one stage I think we had seven English internationals on the pitch which is something that is it hasn't happened for a long long time and he just fit in I think everyone respected him in the dressing room he was prepared to work extremely hard then he had that flair and that pace in the 1v1 situations which we always use it became important in key moments, the Queen's Park Rangers goal, the Swansea goal, uh, the, the Newcastle penalty. is a player that is has been a real success. Now what happens from now is uh, we don't know. Uh, I'm not too worried about that because what I was worried is that Aaron could enjoy his football and be an important player for us and he's done that. Whatever happens in the summer, we'll see what, what that takes us. If he does sign for us again? Well, well, I blame the photographer for that. We need to get a better photographer. When you're a photographer, you should make your clients smile. It's not that difficult, isn't it? Before you click. Uh, how highly do you rate uh, Mohamed Bassic's first season, and do you expect him to play even more next season? He's an outstanding character. It's just, it's just so impressive. Remember, he's played 30 games this season, which is the, the biggest amount of games that he's ever had in professional football. And I, I did feel that uh, um, he's, he's a footballer that is only 22. When I saw him the first time in the World Cup, I knew that he was an Everton player because he would, he would, he would play with his heart. Yeah. He's someone that is technically really, really skillful. He can keep the ball. He can see a pass off the ball. is as good as you get defensively he's just getting used to the to the Premier League and tactically I want him to develop a role where he's never played before he's played it with the national team but only a few games I know that he was in the World Cup against 
against Argentina and those top teams, but he still needs a little bit of, of, of playing time in order to, to master that position. But I think he's going to be a, a terrific, terrific player for the future. I felt a little bit bad during the season where I know that the fans loved seeing more on the pitch and I don't think he was ready to play as much as, as the fans would have liked to see him. And I think you need to protect the players a little bit at times. And sometimes he came on and he tried a bit too hard and then didn't come off. And uh, I think his contribution for the first season has been terrific. 30 games in the first uh, year has been, it's been a, a, a better return than I expected. But he's someone that we got here for the future with, with an incredible, incredible potential. What do you say has been the highlight of the season? Oh, good one. I, I, I tend to like uh, highlights in, in terms of... Um, I think the, the reaction that we had after losing in Kiev, that probably that was, I would tell you, after the game in the dressing room, everyone everyone's was so down. It's like someone took that dream away. Everyone was convinced we were going to win that cup. And all of a sudden, you have to get your head around it when you're facing Queensborough Rangers in a game that you have to win. And I felt a change of, 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 uh, of character. And for me, that's been the highlight of the season. The manner that we won five games, straight wins, with a draw in the middle with Swansea, those six performances for me were um, just Everton character. Just forget about the football ability. It's just, no, we're winning because we have to win. For me, that was the highlight of the season. Then as a game, I think the Man United game was just uh, such a, 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 a composed performance. We were so dynamic. We were on top. We were prepared to defend. We were prepared to attack. We could have done anything we wanted against a, a really good side in a, a good moment of the season. But um, it's been it's been many... Without getting the results, I think we've, we've seen many good moments. Even John Stones uh, getting injured at Old Trafford and seeing the way he's finishing the season. Sometimes you underestimate that. You, you, as slow as you can be, you need surgery in your ankle um, in a difficult season and then comes back and wins the, the play of the season award from, from the supporters. Uh, there are many, many incredible stories this season. Yes. Just linking in with that, then you just mentioned John Stones and obviously Mel Vesage, to young players. Um, how do you potentially see the dynamic change in this coming year with the young players? As you've said, John's going to be going up to the, the Euros within the 21s. Mel's had quite limited exposure this year. You've also mentioned that you're potentially in the market for number 10, mm. which I'm wondering, will that mean that Ross will take a step backwards, maybe deeper into midfield? How yeah. do you see that whole dynamic work? No, I, obviously, um, I see Ross. Uh, Ross, maybe we call him as a number 10. I, I see him more as a number 8. That's a bit more dynamic, box-to-box midfielder. The number 10 is more the play in between lines. That is a bit more of a, of a static playmaker, if you want. Ross is, is such a powerful and dynamic player. Um, I just feel that I'm always happy to give youngsters an opportunity but allow football to make the decision. I think we've seen a situation this season with Sylvain Distan that he started the season and at the end competition is end up with John Stones and Phil Jagielka creating a really strong partnership. Well I see the future going in the same manner that you need to play in, 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 in merits and we need to make the strongest squads that we can and allow young players and old players to fight for positions and I think that's the only way that we can we can become something um, out of the unknown I always feel that the young players bring you that unknown quantity we can't go out and spend 50 million in three players we can't do that 
but we can bring three young players that maybe the value will be 50 million if you give them that right uh, direction. So I, I quite like to bring the players into a dressing room and then just allow football to make the decisions. And even if it's at times it could be tough decisions and difficult decisions, it has to be done for the good of the football club. So just linking Ross then as potentially that number eight player, possibly stepping back down the pitch a little bit. Some of our struggles this season, particularly again the criticisms of fans saying that we don't have a plan B and we're very predictable, mm. etc. I don't see that at all, and I've seen us play 4 4 2, 4 3 3, 4 5 1. If <coughs> anything I've repeatedly said to people, I think that the fundamental idea is correct, but perhaps this season the execution hasn't been as good. Yeah, I would One agree with that. One of the things that I've noticed is I, I would suggest that we've moved the ball too slowly at times. Mm. We've maybe had two touches when one would suffice. And it's given teams more time to fill to men behind the ball. Do you think that dropping Ross back a little bit would potentially give us more dynamism to move the ball wider and forward slightly quicker than we have done this season? Yeah, yeah. I think that's. Um, I think something that we've done really successful. I think there is always tweaks, and I think when you've got intelligent players, you can change things. I, I agree with you. I think we are probably the most flexible team in the Premier League, if not the most flexible, one of the most flexible teams. Not just information, it's just the way we play, the way they try to adapt into what we need in the day. I think this season we've seen a, a little tweak with James McCarthy being allowed to go forward and getting into the box, and that's been really successful. I think Ross dropping at times, we've done that against Queensborough Rangers at home, and and it was fresh and it was new. Um, I do think that we got a lot of uh, different ways of playing. I agree with you at times. Um, um, I do feel that the opposition have given us a real footballing compliment at times they've been very well organised and defensive minded and put yeah yeah but even uh, other uh, other teams that you know that in, in better uh, in better positions in the league and they are concerned about about us and uh, is sometimes it's, it's something that you can see that probably we could take advantage and play forward and get in between lines but when you're on the pitch, it takes a bit of time and it's changing the chip and, and being able to see those passes, but um, that will that will come. Uh, I've got no worries about that. Um, the idea of our style has to be that we are a team that we want to be on the ball. We don't want to be relying on 50-50 balls and putting balls into the number nine and see where that goes. It's just you want to rely, you have control of your own fate, and that's knowing how to win football games. That means that you can be dynamic, you can hit teams on the counter like we did a couple of times this season. You can control the game, have 75% of possession and, and win the game uh, with ease. And I think we are we are a flexible team in that respect. But that's down to the intelligence of the players and I think that we've got the intelligence players to do that. So given how that style has served us so well in Europe and in some of the games against the better teams, Manchester United mm-hmm. has been a classic example how easily we won that game. We didn't just win, you know, really we controlled the play. How frustrating can it be in some of the games, particularly against the lesser teams who do play as a big compliment and put, you know, nine players behind the ball when things don't quite happen, that plan B only seems to be acknowledged as hitting a direct ball rather than mixing well, things up in terms of formation or counter-attacking, unless it's the direct ball don't seem to see any variance in the play. Does that frustrate you? It does, yeah. It does because that's been a, a battle since '95 when I arrived to, to to the UK where from kick-off they used to tell me, put it in the box so you got a chance to score. And I think, well, if we haven't got anyone there, how are we going to score? Mm-hmm. And you need to have control of the ball. But it is it is true that um, you're going to have, uh, when you don't get the results, you're going to get the people 
the, the, the first excuse they've got or the first reason is the style of play. Clearly, you need to go a little bit deeper. If I'm honest with you, this season, the only disappointment I have is that we had 19 leads. Now, the hardest thing in football is to get in front because the, hard, the easiest thing in football, and now it seems to be a, a fashionable trend, is to keep a clean sheet and put 11 bodies behind the ball. Well, I don't believe you can win things by doing that. The hardest thing is to find a way to break teams down and get into the lead. Now, 19 leads, you should end up with 15, 16 wins. That just as an average. And we end up with, with a lot less than that. So we lost a lot of points. Like, I'm looking at the performance against Crystal Palace at home. After the first 30 minutes, is as good as we played in two years. And we lost that game. Well, we went into halftime 1-1 from the only ball from the keeper ends up with a penalty. Now, from a technical, tactical point of view, you can uh, have a doubt about the performance. Now, you won't want. And that just sometimes is a, a know-how, how you're going to just manage the game. And there are aspects that we need to get better. And I do think that the last third of the season, we've done that much better. Like the game against Southampton, we got ahead and we never looked like we were going to lose that lead. Now, that's a big difference to where we were early on in the season. And that's where you, you get the plan B and plan C. It's like knowing how to be better as a team on managing leads and, and we've been incredible of getting in front in games well that's the hardest thing because if you haven't got the talent as a team you don't get in front unless you rely on a set piece on a dead ball situation obviously with a lot of games comes a lot of team rotation and I think a lot of fans have been frustrated this season because it hasn't been necessarily consistent at times and I'll just give you a couple of examples after Wolfsburg you've got to play and then on the Sunday against Spurs Leighton Baines come in it didn't mm-hmm. look 100% fit to obviously to a supporter's eye um, the same with Howard came back after came back after Rolls' clean sheet but then on the flip side you know in Kiev Alcaraz stayed in the team and John Stones was on the bench and mm-hmm. how, how do you look at that because from, from a fan's point of view that's, that's quite frustrating when, when you don't see that level of consistency either way well consistency no the consistency is there the only thing is the advantage is that I see the players train I see the players the way they work uh, Antolin Alcaraz played against Dynamo de Kiev because for me was man of the match against Newcastle at home I know that for whatever reason there is a campaign against Antolin because he comes from Wigan because he's Paraguayan because I don't know and if he plays well uh, he's supposed to play well if he plays bad it's his fault why the team uh, lost I'm, I'm a bit more neutral than that and John Stones at that time he had a bit of a he had a period as a young man that you go through that uh, he got sent off against young boys and he had a couple of uh, difficult moments and he had an injury as well. Uh, he was ill and then he, he was coming back. He didn't train enough to be thrown into a, into a game of that magnitude. Mm, there is always, when you make a decision, it's not because you're just flicking a coin and you're trying to see how we can please the fans. Remember, there's a lot more uh, work and nowadays the data that we have we can see fatigue we can see moments of form and that helps but more than anything is just trying to get a team on the pitch that it can beat the opposition that's top and bottom and this season and uh, nowadays the squad needs to be reliable enough to pick any formation any team or any player in terms of, of being able to perform but um, that happens and, and well, I throw Gareth Barry into that one as well because a lot of fans I think he's got some money to be honest at times this season. He, he, he looked at times like he, he was not struggling but mm-hmm. there just wasn't anyone else to fill his position. Is that the way you were? Yeah, no, I think I think there are specific roles 
on the pitch. And as I say, like Leon Osman and Stevie P, they're very specific players that I don't think we got anyone else after uh, Leon and Stevie P. Karen Parry is such a reliable uh, character that it brings more than what he does on the football. There are things that off the ball, it covers other players, it gives you a real composure as someone that he plays through lines, always wants the ball. And at times you need to... Um, the role that he has, only probably Darren Gibson has been able to do it this season. And Darren has been, well, out longer than we expected or more injured and Gareth probably had to play more that I would have uh, preferred. But the same way, he's just such a reliable footballer that what he gives you is, is just a platform for the others to perform. And sometimes it's not what he does, it's what allows the others to do with his experiences, covering other players, the way that he sits around the centre-halves, the way that he allows other teams to, to press him and, and opens a space for other players. But um, I think Gareth probably had to play more than we all wanted. But he's such a reliable character that I wouldn't agree that he hasn't performed in every game that he goes into. He can be more attractive or less attractive, but the, the role to the team has always been very, very positive. This week, Mark, quite Yeah, no, no, I agree with you completely. I think uh, uh, what it shows you is how difficult to win titles. And I think when you start the season, you got six or seven clubs with uh, um, just the, the focus of spending as much as they can or they are allowed to in order to win trophies. So it's not an easy task. But I do feel that we, as Everton, we should be a team that is considered to win, win a title. Um, every competition next season, is an opportunity to do well and that's the way we're going to look at it but it's just I don't like to look at last season that we didn't try to win every game we went into but it is true that next season the squad is going to be smaller because you've got only three domestic competitions and we should be strong enough to cope with, with, with uh, what the games are uh, in terms of being as strong as we can in every game but it is, it is true that even though it's not easy to win titles I think we're getting into a position that we all should be looking to try to, to, to stop to, to finish that, that period. You made an interesting point before which resonated with me quite a lot personally when you said that you almost felt the dream of being taken away when we went off the Europa League. I think from my point of view and a lot of people I know we genuinely believe that we were going to go deep into that competition yeah. maybe all go, go away. How badly did that affect the players in terms of their mindset because of the you've got the likes of Phil Jagielka uh, being honest with the team you know, they've been here for a long time yeah. and well, you know, it was it was a, a sobering uh, moment in the same way. Uh, we were chasing the dream of winning the Europa League. We felt capable of winning the, the competition. As I say, it was a bad night in Kiev, but even then, when we scored, I always felt even though we've been very poor for 20 minutes, we'll, we, we can still get through. And uh, it wasn't overnight, it wasn't, it wasn't to be, but... After the game, it felt a little bit, OK, it's time to stop chasing dreams here. It's time to face reality. And 
as strange as it sounds, it, it was we have to win games. Forget about wanting to finish top four, forget about doing something special in, in Europe. We have to be Queen's Park Rangers and we have to get points on the board. It's, it's, it was a sobering moment. That I'm not saying that is a positive or negative, it's a reality that it showed the maturity of the, of the dressing room. Rather than feeling what's going to happen if uh, we don't get the three points against Queen's Park Rangers, a bit creating doubts. It wasn't the case. I was always very uh, assured of what we had in the dressing room. I've seen it. I've been involved in many uh, seasons where you have to, uh, you have to be perfect to get every point. I knew we were we were ready to to go into a room <coughs> and get the points that that we could achieve. But it was a sobering moment. One as disappointing it was to be in Kiev. Yeah. Well, I felt. I think it was a great tournament. Looking back, the experiences we had in France and, and Russia and, and Germany and, and even in, in, when we went to, to Bern against young boys, it was incredible footballing events. I think we were very unlucky as well. I don't think we deserved to be out of the competition. I, I did feel that against the Anamari Kev at Goodison, we considered from a, from a soft set piece and then we just absolutely camp in the, in the, uh, in the half and we won the game deservedly. The second leg was something that nobody could expect. Or maybe that's what we need to learn from. No, really, no. Well, yes. Yes, yeah, 100%. 100%. I think we, we wanted to play the game normally and we wanted to win the tie, but... Uh, I felt at times we were a little bit in crossroads or wanted to keep a clean sheet or just wanted to... We were a little bit in between and and then they just scored... In, two of the goals were just incredible. If they, they play another thousand games, they'll never... And Tunet is a player that I followed a lot and I don't think I'll never score another goal from that distance, yeah. But, like, overall... We considered, we considered two goals. Um, after, after going 1-1, we had the best period in the game, and they were really doubting themselves. We had a corner. We considered on the counter-attack of the corner, and 27 seconds later, while Phil Jagielk is outside the pitch, getting treatment and coming back in, they just play and score a goal. So in 28 seconds from attacking a corner, you considered two goals. So it's one of those games that will never happen again. But the same way I feel that during the season we've never been lucky once. Like everything is, is one of those seasons that everything is it had to be perfect and we had to put so much effort for everything. And sometimes you get a little bit of luck and then you get a bit of momentum and all of a sudden you find yourself. We've never had that. And uh, you need a bit of, of bit of luck sometimes. And, and this season we didn't get any of that. But I'm looking at what we did in Europe. We were an outstanding, an outstanding team, and I don't think Seville or Nipro done anything more than us at that stage in order to to merit the place in the final more than us. So you have yeah, yeah, incredible. I think obviously you you always got Tony Hewitt and Leon Osman telling you just wait until you get there and the little game and all that. And, You'll see the square in Lille. It'll never, it'll never be the same after after this. And 
until you see it and experiment it, you don't you don't realize how how unique the away following is in our club. But it's, it's, it's that feeling when you when you're coming out on the pitch and you see that and you feel proud. It's like you're looking around and say, "Yeah, we're Everton." And, and the players feel that way as well. And the new players coming in, they just feel, Oof, "That's because you haven't you haven't experienced it before." So I I knew how I was feeling. So I know. Uh, uh, a younger person that is on the pitch playing, you feel on top of the world. And I think the performances showed that. To go to Wolfsburg, we, we were the only team that he beat Wolfsburg in 28. Uh, they only had two defeats in 28 games, and both against Everton. It just the, the, the performances against certain teams were magnificent, but the experience was the players are desperate to get back into Europe. I can guarantee you that. And, and that's something that's going to stay with us forever. <laughs> oh, you don't want to upset Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I think Joe. Uh, uh, you know, the, the European trip, I, I've been on plenty of European trips in the 70s and 80s, but even I found different things about every two months. Right. In what way? Uh, just, just the amount uh, in, in the 70s and, and 80s. You know, there was a couple of thousand. Uh -huh. but, 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 you know, Neil. Uh, Oh. I know it was, a, it was an easy run, but it was unbelievable. Yeah. Even, even the problem that we had with the, the police before. Oh, no, I know. That was so it, it was, wrong, the it way was they handled it. Yeah. We just enjoyed ourselves. Yeah. And, uh, we, had, we, we were watching a clip. The boys were watching a clip of uh, uh, a bar in Lille full of Everton fans singing uh, Ross Barkley's <laughs> A Diamond. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, they were laughing. Incredible. Uh, so we want more of that. Yeah. Just, just uh, <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Give us ten months. Yeah, give us ten months. When um, playing on our new kit on, hmm. yeah. on Sunday, uh, would you be wearing black shoes? No, 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 no. The brown shoes is uh, there'll be different shoes, but they'll be brown. But the the, the kit is is a winning tick, uh, winning kit. I think Umbro. There is something about makers, you know. Umbro, they get Everton. It's incredible. I can't wait to see the, the full team out there with that kid because it looks it looks impressive. But unfortunately, the brown shoes will carry on. <laughs> on the I was, was going to ask, do you regret selling the original ones? No, no. Every year, <laughs> I change. Every year. It was a good course. It was a good course. So if you've listened all the way to the end of that, uh, I'm sure you'll agree. He didn't duck any questions, didn't try and hide from anything. Maybe one of the questions he ducked out of was a joke, but it was funny, so we'll let him off with that. Uh, hopefully there'll be a few more meetings next season with him than there was this season because hopefully we'll be playing better and he'll want to talk to us a little bit more so hope you've enjoyed that and as promised at the beginning of the uh, episode podcast thing I'm doing this all in one take you can tell that can't you because um, it's just rambling shite see swear words you love them right so as promised me and Borley will be back at some point in the near future and we will be doing weekly ones and it'll just be boss and you'll love it so listen until then though bye